Hey, before we get started, I wanted to let you know that the show is both on Instagram and Twitter under Unstructured P. Please come by, check it out if you like the show, say hello, and tell me what you think. Thanks. My name is Eric Hunley, and this is Unstructured, where we have dynamic and formal conversations with some amazing people. Today we're joined by, I'm not sure how to describe Shane. I'd just say he's an internet marketer. Would that be a good description, that's, Shane? That's very valid. Valid. 20, 25 years and counting, my friend. That's all. Good Lord. Yeah. I started when I was three. I mean, I was a very, very early adopter. <laughs> I was in diapers <laughs> and stuff. And anyways, this is a long story. We'll get into that, I'm sure, during the podcast. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But if you're in it, 23, you're um, back in AOL days. It was AOL. Yeah, yeah, man. I was in the chat rooms. I was, uh, I think, hot Stephanie 68, I'll say, just for just to be kosher. Well, how um, did you market back then? Because, I mean, obviously, Facebook didn't exist. I know you did social, and you kind of roll into it. Oh, and I did the social. But there was no social. No, I, I did. I mean, back in, I'm trying to think what year it was. I mean, what, make sure we're talking about the right years. I mean, I really had my own businesses. So the, what I would do is when I had my own businesses, we would go, I mean, I would hire everybody or hire people on, remember, get a freelancer. Now it's freelancer and now it's, you know, there's some other ones. But what I would do back in the day was I had my own business and I would start to hire people to do stuff that I didn't know how to do, which was a lot of things online, right? So, hey, I need somebody to help me with the website. I need somebody to help me with the logo. And I was one of the early, early, like, people that would hire freelancers on these websites. In fact, I remember I met with a, was a buddy of mine, Pete's buddy, that was like, hey, I'm on this site called Get a Freelancer. And I'm hiring these people for, you know, for a great prices. And they're like showing me how to do this stuff. And I, my knowledge online, I had, most of my knowledge was offline because I was actually opening restaurants, which is like another okay. life ago, right? And I had some products that I was bringing to market. And I was like, God, I really need to build a website, but I had no idea how to do it. So my degree is in marketing, but I use like, you know, hope my son's not listening to this, like 1% of what I've learned in college, right? If, if, if that, I'm like telling my son, he's in college right now. And I'm telling you, you have to get your degree. So he's <laughs> going to hear this and be like, so you're not using 99% of what I'm learning. And I'm like, whatever, I'm not good with numbers, but give or take 99 <laughs> percent, right? I mean, like, don't, don't talk back to me, get into college. So, um, and stay there. Um, so yeah, so now it's, you know, I, I learned anything that was coming along or in the space, whether it be social or SEO or website just through freelancers. I mean, I've hired literally thousands of people to work on my own projects for my own stuff. And then for other projects that we've had going as well. So, I mean, now I have a 34, six person team um, that's all remote. So I have an international team that's all remote that has like a full 24 hour circle that I run. So it's kind of a crazy little deal. Okay. So you're essentially Shane Barker marketing Inc. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I call Shane Barker consulting. I have an, uh, an LLC that nobody would even know. Like if I told you the name of LLC, people would go, I've never even heard of that because there's a, I just, it was an LLC that I put together. Um, not super creative, just put it together just so, you know, for, liability and all the other fun stuff that's out there. But, um, but yeah, people see me as shanebarker.com. I mean, that would be, that's my website, but I have multiple companies. I like giffelgraphics.co, which is a graphic design website. I have uh, content solutions, which is .io, which is um, really we're building software. It's like so people can put out, you know, mass pieces of content and get PR behind it. And we do a lot of like stuff behind that. So, I mean, it's, like I said, it's gone from, you know, getting S from doing SEO before it was even called SEO. Like how do we get better? Like not even called rankings. We're like, I just want to be number one and trying to figure that out. And then we got really good with SEO and we've built websites and, but I hate building websites cause they're just kind of a nightmare with clients and stuff, you know, shout out to all my clients that aren't a nightmare, uh, <laughs> which is a pretty high percentage at this point. Thank goodness. Cause I got rid of the other ones. But um, yeah, so now it's a, you know, now we do, you know, influence 
influencer marketing is where a lot of people see me because I teach a class at UCLA, um, a personal branding and how to be an influencer course. Um, and so that's, you know, that's where mainly what I speak about, but it really, I'm, I'm well versed in content marketing and SEO and really any part of digital marketing and online marketing. Um, you know, I've got some pretty good chops. Okay. Now we're going to get right into influencer marketing. Honestly, help explain to me this, not just Kim Kardashian's butt. God, that sounds familiar. Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian. Um, so what do you mean? Like, how is it something other than just her butt? Yeah. Essentially. Uh, there's different views of influencer marketing, yeah. and I'd say the prevalent view is a bunch of models who take pictures in front of a green screen and pretend they're elsewhere. Mm. Yes, and so that there is some some truth to that. That does happen. Um, the thing is with influencer marketing, I think what happens is that you we get into this thing of that's what we think that it is, right? That's always models. It's always this what's interesting about influencer marketing is that really anybody can be an influencer, right? So I think it started off in, and it's had some bad PR because of like, like Fry, right? Fry Festival is an example. They're like, oh my God, Fry Festivals. That's why you got to watch out for influencers. Well, really at the end of the day, the Fry Festival worked. Like it literally got people to spend too much money to go to an island. It did, right? I mean, people hmm. jumped on and said, let's do it. At, at the end of the day, now logistically, it wasn't good and they didn't have food or water, which last time I checked, Sucks. I've always had food or water any place I've gone to festival wise. So I guess I've been like super lucky. But then again, I'm not going to go follow somebody, pay 10 grand for a ticket to a remote island. I'm a little over that. I'm 44. And, you so know, it's either the island or an Italian cruise ship. Which do you prefer? No. I mean, Italian <laughs> cruise ship. I mean, hello. I mean, it's, I mean, the island sounds fun until you get there and there's no water. And then you, you start drinking seawater and you realize that's not the way to go. Um, Shout out to Christopher Colombo. I think he did that. Anyways, Columbus or whatever his name was. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's like influencer marketing can be a lot of things. The cool thing about influencer marketing is that you can find, when I say influencers, it's just you're talking about somebody that has some kind of a, um, that has an audience that believes mm -hmm. in the things that they do, right? So anybody can be an influencer. I could have be a yoga instructor and have a thousand followers and be an influencer, right? So it doesn't always have to be the model. In fact, I, I, even depending on the product or service, I even would say, hey, watch out for the model that has 2 million followers. Unless you're selling an ebook, unless she's selling a course, unless you're selling a calendar. I mean, it just depends on the product or service. But you, that's, that's the cool part about it is if you're a brand, you can find an influencer that can push your product. The problem with it is, is most people think I need to go to Kim Kardashian, pay her a million dollars for her to put this tattoo on her backside and for her to take a picture of it. And then you're going to go sell a million tattoos, right? Or fake tattoos or whatever that is. That's old school, right? It, that doesn't work anymore. Like you have to put a strategy together and you have to really, there's a lot of softwares where you can go and find individuals, find influencers that you think are going to be a good fit. So influencer marketing is going to be this because there's every influencer is different. What I mean by that is they have a different following. They have, I mean, there's some that are similar, but the idea of this is, is that you have YouTube, you have TikTok, you have Instagram, you have Twitter, you have all these different options, platforms, and people will say, oh, I tried an Instagram influencer, uh, Jennifer, she's 23, she's got 25,000 followers and influencer marketing doesn't work. Okay. No. So Go first ahead. misconception then is it's not just Instagram. Not just Instagram, right? Now, Instagram, there's a lot of leverage there because it's like the lifestyle, right? You're on Instagram because you're drinking your chai tea and you've got your little poodle that's perfectly trained and you're on your private jet. That's kind of this old school of what I think of influencer. That's that's what I want to be. That's why the class I teach at UCLA, like the first thing we talk about is being realistic, right? So it's like you're probably not going to have a private jet with a pink poodle and have Nike sponsor you. 
right? It's probably going to take a little time for you to build out your brand. So we talk about branding and that kind of stuff, which is you know a whole other conversation for a podcast. But it, it really comes down to finding, you know, it's what we call A-B testing. So you want to find different influencers on different platforms. So as we're talking about, you know, the brand that says, oh, I've tried influencer marketing. I tried Jennifer on Instagram. She had 25,000 followers and we saw nothing happened, right? So that doesn't mean that influencer marketing didn't work. That means that Jennifer didn't work, right? Or that means the content you did with Jennifer didn't work or Jennifer's audience isn't the right audience, Right, so there's a lot of things you have to look at there, or it's also the frequency of posts, right? So, it, or it means, I mean, here's the thing: pay per click. If I have the greatest product in the world, but I don't market it correctly, will anybody buy it? Probably not, right? It comes. I mean, you'll see really crappy products that have phenomenal marketing, and people buy them because the marketing is phenomenal. It's the same thing with influencer marketing. Influencer marketing is a tool. This isn't something where you you pull back all your marketing budget and put $100,000 into marketing into influencer marketing, pay that one actress one time to be able to get one post and just pray that it brings you all this money. It's a strategy. The idea is you find different influencers on different platforms. Once you see somebody that's moving the needle, same thing with PPC, right? As soon as you find a good sales funnel, then you put the money behind that. It's the same thing with influencer marketing. Once you find it's Actually, not Jennifer, it's John, and John has 50,000 followers, and it looks like most of his followers in the Los Angeles area, and also find out that the product that we're selling is in the Los Angeles area, and they have to go to a store to pick it up, you're going to have a higher likelihood of somebody buying than if you pick Jennifer that's in Sydney, Australia, because they're not going to be able to fly over and buy your $50 widget, right? So, I mean, they people don't understand the strategy behind it of what you really have to look at to, you know, once again, it's not a guarantee success, but it's definitely going to help your campaign if you know what to look for. Out of curiosity, to draw an analogy, yeah. I found sometimes that, you know, you have different guests. You're running a podcast now, so I'll be drawing things back and forth and ask you about that. Yeah. But some guests have a bigger built-in audience than other guests have. But a lot of times the guests with the biggest audience have the least, quote, return. For sure. And have you found with the influencer, let's um, balkanize it more or, or take it down even more, would it be a smarter play to have 50 influencers of a thousand people, but are highly engaged versus, you know, throwing out the big numbers at the other people, you know, a smaller one with the audience is always talking. They're getting, you know, 10, 20 comments in every post, even though they're, you know, really small. Yeah. You're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, absolutely. So the thing is, if, if you are a, a Pepsi or a Coke, Hey, go after Kim Kardashian. If you just want eyeballs and you got a billion dollar budget, I, I get it. If you're looking for overall eyeballs and that might be a better play, you still have to figure out what your KPIs are, what your key performance indicators. Like what is your what are your goals, right? So you have to have goals with any campaign. I don't care if you're working with a big influencer or a small influencer. But the problem is this. This is the, the analogy I'm going to use for you to answer your question. So you go with a campaign with Kim Kardashian, right? And she has, I don't even know how many million, 25 million followers, let's say, mm-hmm. right? And then you have another one with um, – Jennifer, and there's 10 Jennifers, and let's, I'm just going to say, you know, so we don't have to do 10 different names, and they all have 50,000 followers, right? The mm-hmm. one with Kim is going to be very expensive. The one with these other influencers that have, let's say, micro-influencers for, for numbers' sake. That's another thing, too, is that brands also look at numbers. The, right. The, it, that's, that is a variable, but it's not the number one variable. So influencers were getting paid too much money because you have 2 million followers, and brands were saying, hey, you have 2 million, but if you get to 5 million, I'll give you $10,000 instead of 2,000. Then guess what mm-hmm. happens? Fake followers. Right. So that's where that's the other thing is like, and it's not the brand's fault, but the brands are still chasing big numbers. 
right? And so you go after big numbers and then here comes the big paycheck and then it doesn't work. They go, God, it just didn't work. Well, it didn't work because first of all, you're going after somebody that has a lot of fake followers and you also didn't look at their audience and there's just a lot of the messaging might not have been right. There's a lot of variables to that. But let's go back to the one big influencer or 10, you know, medium-sized influencers or smaller influencers. So this is the analogy that I always use. So if I open up a restaurant, where are you located? Uh, Hampton Roads, Virginia. Okay. So let's say, let's say I'm in Los Angeles. I don't know if you're in a bigger city. So let's say I'm in Los Angeles, right? And I open up, um, I open up a restaurant and I have 10,000 people that come through in one night. Oh, grand opening nights, Friday night, things are crazy. Well, am I going to be able to go and, and do what I call shake hands and kiss babies with everybody? Can I talk to every single person that walks in that door? No way. No, physically can't, right? So that's Kim Kardashian, and that's her 10,000 comments. She's not going to respond to everybody. She's not going to have the time to do that, right? Right. So now if you, we open a restaurant in your hometown, and let's say there's 200 people that show up, am I going to be able to shake hands and kiss babies? I would Probably. think so, right? That's the idea of it. So, And then everybody that leaves that restaurant says, that was an awesome restaurant. Like that Shane guy came up out of nowhere helped us out, did this, refilled our water, like whatever this is, right? So the engagement rate's going to be a lot higher. Everybody leaving that place is like, dude, good food, great service. Everything was awesome. The one in LA, they could go, man, I was a little fast with this. I'm not even sure who the owner was. Not that big of a deal, but it would have been nice if they would have asked me my opinion. Like, So that's what we're looking at here. Engagement's going to be a lot higher with the people, the smaller following, because what they should be doing if you're an influencer is responding to people. Hey, Shane, I really like that jacket you're wearing. Where did you get that jacket? Hey, John, I bought it at Nordstrom's Rack. Okay, that sounds cool. Hey, what size there? What is that color? It looks like a you know, emerald green. No, it's a forest green. Okay, great. Sounds good. Like having that conversation and brands should look at that because you should be able to look at Kim Kardashian's and realize that, you know, 70% of those people just like her butt. So they don't care about your restaurant, right? Or they don't really care. So it's, and it's also a frequency deal. Just because she posts once, that doesn't mean anything. Eight, six years ago, maybe it did. It's a frequency deal. People want to see it over and over and over. And there's just those variables where you have to look at. If you go to an influencer that they talk about the best product ever every single day, guess what happens? People start to go, God, you really have a great life because every product you try is the best ever. That's so weird because every product I try is not the best ever. So it's kind of <laughs> odd, right? I mean, let's, right? And so you start to lose your audience. So you can look at an influencer's page and you look, they look at the numbers. Oh man, crazy numbers. Oh, the engagement is great until you look at it and it's all emojis and all, and they're talking about something different every day. They're pimping out their profile and the audience knows that because if you watch it, it's like, here goes Helen talking about the best shoes, Nike, this week. And last week she had Adidas, and the week before she had K-Swiss. And right, so you're you're starting. And as a brand, a brand might not know that right away. Might not, but if you would, you can use software to find influencers. The problem is you have to. You nothing beats an eyeball test. So I pull this list of you know 100 influencers, and I want to hire 20 of them. I physically go and look at them and say, okay, how often are they posting content? What kind of to- what kind of content are they posting, right? And I, is it going to resonate with me if if I am X Y Z shoe company and I'm and I'm not a Trump fan and I don't look at their profile and their big thing is like Trump's the best and I can't wait to get reelected? Probably not going to be a good fit, right? And and even though if they have good numbers or don't have good numbers, you you, you have to do the research. And I think people miss out on that step of like validating the influencer. I interview every influencer for my campaigns, every single one, because I want to know where you're at. I'm going to say, hey, well, what do you know about ABC Company? And they're like, I don't know anything. I just know you guys are doing, you know, a thousand bucks a post. I mean, why would I even hire them? Right? Okay, to flip the script as an influencer type. Mm -hmm. um, Now, I'm pretty clueless on social. 
but I'm of the mindset that like for tweeting or whatever, I try to have at least nine things that I share that have no relevance to me, to the one thing that I do. Yeah, for sure. Is it a similar type of thing with the influencers where it's like, don't just, you know, product, 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 every single email, but really they're building a fantasy or, or whatever they're trying to do and then a product may fit in there or slide in from time to time? I mean, the thing you should do is, A, you don't want to promote something every single day. But what you really should do is you should pick products that are going to resonate with your audience that you really do use and you enjoy, right? right. It's very easy to grab any product that's going to pay. That's another thing I look at when I interview influencers. If they come in and their big thing is just getting paid, like it needs to, the influencers should care about it being a good fit. Because if you start pitching these, you're a yoga instructor and you talk about the, you know, organic life and this and being natural. And then mm -hmm. you go get a boob job and you get your lips done and you're getting your hair colored and you're, you know, it's like, like wait a second, you were like supernatural last week. And this week you're like, you know, Barbie cakes, like, whoa, like <laughs> I feel like we missed something here. Like you're going to lose your audience because of that. Right. So you, you really have to figure out, this is my audience. And what products naturally fit into that? If I naturally wear Nike all the time, then I should reach out to Nike and say, hey, listen, I've already been talking about you guys. My audience loves you guys. Why don't we figure out some kind of a deal? I know it resonates well because out of these last 20 posts that I've done about you guys in the last two years, this is the kind of engagement that we've gotten. Would you guys be willing to work something out where we work some kind of a monthly deal or you guys send me free shoes or we want to do a big campaign? Let me know. Actually, a, a perfect analogy to it is um – I saw that you completed the Shamrock Marathon, which was my first marathon. Was it really? Yep. In 20, oh, look at that. 2013. Yeah, that's awesome. And if, let's say, you're a runner on Instagram, then it's so easy in my mind to say, okay, well, I've got a Garmin this week. Well, you know what? I want to run with a Garmin. And now Stride has come out with something called um, Power for Running. Okay, well, I'm experimenting with this now because it's working naturally into my workout. They may pay me to pitch it or something like that, but it is completely legitimate to what I'm doing in the audience. And maybe for my long run, I prefer a Canvara by Saucony because it's got a little more cushion on it. But if I'm doing a 5K, I, I want to run with like say a New Balance minimalist, very thin shoe. See, and that's because exactly I'm faster. it. This is the thing is what people don't, and this is what I work on at UCLA. This is, this is a curriculum I put together is, hey, at the end of the day, if, if I'm an influencer and I've got X amount of followers and I've got some engagement, whatever it is, the problem is most people wait for somebody to come to them. Right. So it's like, let me wait for somebody to knock on my door. So I'm really hoping that, you know, ASICs gets a hold of me because I've already been kind of talking about their stuff and I'm really praying they find me. Uh, newsflash. They're probably not going to find you for the most part, right? <laughs> I mean, unless, unless, right? I mean, unless they know what they're doing, which a lot of the brands don't. So what you need to do, once again, UCLA, what I teach here is personal branding. You need to get your media kit together. You need to explain to them why they need to work with you because most brands don't know how to find the influencers, don't know what to pay them, and don't know like what to do in negotiations. They don't. It's so like what's this. a media kit? Let, let's start on that because yeah, so, uh, we throw it out there. I'd love yeah, to have you break for it down. Sure. So media kit's going to be exactly that. Like, so it's like, hey, I have a website. I get you know ten thousand people a month on my Instagram. I have you know ten thousand followers. My engagement rate is four percent. I have five thousand people on my email list. Whatever this is, right? Or maybe it's a campaign mm -hmm. you did. Like, hey, I did a campaign with you know, XYZ shoe or with whatever it is, this local Mexican restaurant. And what they did is they went and paid for my food and we did this little campaign. We put it together and here goes a little bit of a case study of what we did, right? Now you, 
doing a case study with a Mexican food restaurant and sending it to Nike might not be this. Right? <laughs> they might go, okay, that's awesome. When we want to come eat Mexican food, we'll we'll come out and give you a free pair of shoes. But up until then, sure. But but once again, pitching other restaurants or pitching app restaurant apps or pitching anything like that, you have that case mm-hmm. study, right? You want to. People want to know, brands and, and agencies want to know, like, have you been successful? And, and what is that? So a media kit is no different than you go to Facebook for PPC, for pay-per-click, and you go in and say, oh, it's going to be $3 a click. This is this. This is the database we have. And you go, okay, and you pick that little thing, and now you know what you're going after. It's the same thing with my website. I say, hey, I have 50,000 um, subscribe or 50,000 people come to my website a month. Um, 80% of it's in the U.S., um, it's m- mainly men, it's mainly this. And now you go to Nike and say, this is the reason why we need to do a sponsored post on my website. It's because I have 50,000 and 80% of them are males. So we're looking at 40,000 a month are men. And you will see very high engagement from male-based things through these articles that I've written. These are my two biggest ones. One of them was about how to run super fast as an old man. And then the other one was <laughs> like how to, you know, shoot creatine and grow two muscles overnight or so you know whatever that is it ties into this premise of like okay that makes sense and why we should work together you know it's that old school of influencer marketing of the models and all this that that people look at and go nah that's kind of that's gimmicky because it was but it also worked right it's evolved in what it is today where influencer marketing really can be anybody i mean anybody can be an influencer i had a guy this is a funny story so I was a keynote speaker at the first ever influencer marketing conference in Mexico City. There was a guy that came on stage. That came on stage. All he does is pink stuff. And what I mean by that is like the color pink. Like he came out in a pink suit. He's got a pink Cadillac. I mean, it was like super pink. Like, like I think he even had pink Pepto. Eye. I mean, that's, yeah, Pepto. <laughs> but think about it. Like Pepto-Bismol. Like he's done Pepto-Bismol. He's done rosé wine. He's done. Oh, wow. I mean, think anything pink. So then they would go to him. And, and, and they would go, well, all these people love pink. And so they, and some of it was a little gimmicky because it's like Pepto Bismol. I don't know how much Pepto sold, except they could also talk about this guy and this guy would put these campaigns on. So literally he did a campaign or he did, you know, his influencer thing was about the color pink. There's another lady I know that, um, her name is uh, Sarah, sweetheart. She, well, not, her last name's not sweetheart. I just dubbed her sweetheart. Her name's really Sarah. But her thing, Rose Seasons, if you look at um, her on Instagram, her thing is all about rose wine. And you'd think, oh, that's really niche down. There's how many different providers of rose wine? So she gets invited to events. She gets invited to this. And everybody that, you know, most people follow her about rose wine. So she's a, a heavily, heavily engaged audience when it comes to wine. So if she tries a wine and says, this is phenomenal, or here I am hanging out with Gewurztraminer at their, you know, annual concert show thing that they do, and she's this keynote speaker, they're going to get eyeballs in them. They're going to potentially get sales from that. So that's what you have to look at is, there is an influencer for literally everybody, right? When it comes to this. Now, I'm not saying if you're like selling, you know, real estate, like if you're selling insurance or something, like I'm like, hey, go do influencer marketing because it works because that's kind of an unsexy subject and it's a little more difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible. Some of the, you know, the wines and the alcohol and the yoga and the food and the, you know, the. Actually, oh, what was it? I don't know if you've ever heard of Christopher Lockhead. Mm-mm. He's, um, He's a category creator. He's uh, a three times Silicon Valley CMO. Ah, okay. But one of his uh, good friends is a real estate agent, ah. and apparently, this guy is the top in the entire country. And so, his whole thing that he started out with is he looked at the market around him, and I guess he said, "Hmm, what's the most important thing? Oh, I close deals." So his whole theme was, "Pack your bags, you're moving," and. 
he somehow you know rolled that in. So I, I'm just wondering if that means that yes, even though they're difficult, maybe there are ways to real estate agents can be sexy because it's like a hey you know kind of f you you know, pay me like that kind of like this kind of attitude of like, Hey, let me show you who I'm working with. So that's where social media can be huge for them. So they are influencers. I was saying, I said real estate, but I meant like in like an insurance broker, like somebody that sells like fidelity, fidelity. I think fidelity is one of them. Like one of them where you're like, Hey, do you want to get, you know, insurance on your wife? And you're like, God, this is super exciting. I can't wait to read through the 400 pages of documentation (laughs) to be able to get my wife covered. Right. That I didn't real estate can be because it can, you know, it's like the glitz and the glam. It still runs fun. It's still under the umbrella of like lifestyle and Hey, making money. Cause I just sold this house and I made $80,000 and, you know, let me go jump in my Ferrari and, you know, drink some champagne, you know, do some crazy stuff while I'm driving. So yeah, I mean, that still fits into that realm of lifestyle of like, you know, keeping it sexy. Do you think actuarial tables are maybe slightly more bland? I didn't even think you were going to bring that up. That is super hot. I mean, that's like (laughs) nothing will get your blood flowing like that, man. I I looked at one of those Instagrams. I was like, I got to get off this before my wife comes in the room. That's hot. (laughs) That's bringing the fire right there. Now, moving forward, um, you have a new show. I do. Podcast. That's scary. They let me on there. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Need an RSS feed and anyone can do it. No. That's, that's it. Don't give it to anybody. They're like, geez, just give them one. We just don't want to deal with it. Actually, that's one of those, you know, the whole things where you take the same statement. It's either good news or bad news. And it's the same sentence. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The good news is that anybody can start a podcast. And the the bad, bad news is anybody can start a podcast. Yeah. It's like watching Fox and CNN. It's like the same story, but you're like, this is two very different views, but it's the same statement. But anyways. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Who knew? Now, one thing I noticed, and I want to ask this, is your show is named Shane Barker's Marketing Madness. Yeah. And Christopher Lockhead, I just brought up earlier, his show is Christopher Lockhead, Follow Your Different, and he now has Lockhead on Marketing. Mm. Now, as a marketer, I'm curious, is this a deliberate move that you're putting your name and then the name of the podcast there versus why isn't it just Marketing Madness with the author being Shane Barker? I so there is so that's that's a, actually a phenomenal question. So I l- did put my name in there for branding. So I did want people to know that it is my podcast. So it's not you know marketing madness by Shane Barker. It's Shane Barker's marketing madness podcast. Um, and the, we, we did do that for branding purposes, and we also put my big old face with my big old red beard on there for marketing purposes as well. Um, and you know we've gotten some good. And the reason why, so I'll tell you, it's a funny story. So originally it was going to be called Content That Converts because I wanted to talk about okay. whether it be videos or sales or whatever, anything that you develop online, whether it be pictures or video, mm-hmm. and how you convert that into sales. The only problem was I really didn't want to stop myself from like interviewing maybe influencers or uh, entrepreneurs or celebrities. And so I, it, it, the way that it changed was I had a, a girl on Julia McCoy from um, Express Writers. And so we were, and I had these questions and, you know, some of the questions and we're kind of talking and, and so I said, you know, kind of tell me, you know, thanks for having me on the podcast for asking some questions. I'm asking where she grew up and some stuff like that. And she kind of looks at me and she goes, well, I, yeah, I know why you're asking me these questions. And, and I haven't told a lot of people this and I, I don't know how you know about it, but she goes, yes, I, I was in a cult for, for, for 19 years. Mm. And I said, I'm sorry, come again. And she says, well, I was in a cult. I was in a cult for 19 years. And she goes, well, I'm judging from your questions. Like, that's why you're asking about my upbringing. Which one, by the way? It's gone now. I guess they got their defunct or something. They call the Crips. Does that ring a bell? The Crips? No. 
I'm not sure I, I had bugs. a cult expert on the show. Oh, did you? <laughs> Rick Allen Ross. So I yeah, don't you know. are a cult expert. Marketing and cult. Believe it or not, they're <laughs> on the continuum. And they really there's so much you know, they cross each other so many times. Um no, and so I was like I go, no, I didn't like I literally didn't know that you were in a cult. And she goes, Oh, I'm writing a book about it. I thought maybe somebody had told you. And I was like, No, I was just asking mm. like about your upbringing. Like I was like valid questions. So at that point, I was like, screw content. Like, I let's talk about your cult. Like, I want to kind of like dig deep, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking, okay, here I am doing this podcast, and then I'm going to have like some guys in a black van pull up, and it's going to be super awkward and be like, hey, sorry about what I said. And I was just kidding. And I like cults. I think you guys are awesome. I'm just not, I joined too many this month. And if I can pass and maybe I'll do it next month or something. But she was like, seriously. So, the long story short, she was doing, get a freelancer. She was doing freelance work, English writer in the US. Um, she was also saying to be a nurse, she had a client, her and her client was on a Skype call and, the, and he says, Hey, listen, like you're in kind of a weird deal. She started talking about her upbringing, things she was going on. And then her mm. friend at the nursing academy or whatever said, Hey, I think you're in a weird situation. Like they won't let you do this and you can't do this and you can't wear this and they won't mm-hmm. let you out. Pers- so they, I think you might be in a cult. Well, this guy said the same thing. And she goes, well, I really don't know, but maybe. And then she started kind of like that aha moment. Long story short, two weeks later, she's like, hey, I'm going to leave. And the guy that was on the Skype call is like, you can stay at my house. I'm like, well, that wasn't super creepy. Like, you can leave the cult and go with the guy that you met from, you know, whatever, 50 towns down and stay at his place. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm super safe. So her and her sister literally leave, go and stay with him. And guess what happened? Mm. Well, she's trainable. She's not only trainable, <laughs> but they're married. Oh, wow. And left field. So I literally I'm hearing this story and I'm like, content that converts god what a sucky name there's no way we can call this so that was that point that i'm like now it's going to be called shane barker's marketing madness podcast because i don't know what's going to be said i mean it's kind of like yours i love the premise of like it's like man we don't really know what's going to happen right like it's like just i mean we can make a right or left turn or go straight or go backwards or hang up we don't know right but it's so now my podcast is it is marketing based but Mm -hmm. you just never know like we you know Whatever it is. I mean, I, we talked to some, we talked today with a, um, you know, Marcus Sheridan. Anyways, he was about, anyways, talking about the transmission of life and this, that, and the other. It had nothing to do with marketing for the most part. So you never know. Well, cool. Um, Lockheads are very similar in that manner, too. Okay. Now, I do want to harp on that, though. Shane Barker. So you're, uh, do you recommend that for everybody doing a podcast? Because what about if their name isn't known? Maybe they're not a keynote yeah. speaker. Yeah. Oh, which, it, would it be Eric Hunley's unstructured? Yeah. Or is it just unstructured? Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't recommend that for everybody. And, and once again, not, I'm not to, this is going to sound terrible, but I'm, I'm not saying that to toot my own horn, but I had, I have a, a good foundation that took me a long time to build, right? So it's not like I was like, hey, <laughs> overnight, let's everybody, you know, you, because of teaching you sailing, because of like, I write for a hundred and almost twenty websites sure. at this point, I've gotten some good status from that, and so that has made it to the point where I feel like I could put my name. If I was just starting a podcast and I was brand new to it, um, it's a little bit of a different deal. Um, and, and then again, but I don't know how many people are really looking up Shane Barker's podcast at this point, right? And, and maybe they do will over time, maybe they won't. But for me, I felt like foundationally, it was it was right for me to put my name in there. If I was brand new and just getting into marketing, unless you're making huge waves, it's I, I wouldn't highly recend it. Like I said, if you got to build more of that foundation first, write for some websites, write a book, do some mm-hmm. key, do some stuff that's all foundational that it gets you to a point where now you can you know put your name in front of a podcast. God, I sound like a like a not really uh, also does it help because um as an example 
Libsyn, which is the largest podcast yep. host in existence, if you look up their show called The Feed, you can't find it in Apple Podcasts. You have to literally look up Libsyn to find the show. Now, guess what is one of the most popular words in podcasting directory? A. Oh, marketing. Ah, marketing. So I'm wondering if if you had been, let's say, marketing madness, if maybe you would have been buried and then you'd come up with reefer madness and other things because they downplay certain words like podcast. Anything that starts with podcast is pretty much just run out because there's too many podcasts in the search. So by being Shane Barker, you're very distinct. And there's not a lot of Shane Barkers out there. No, thank God. My, I told my wife one time, I was joking. I was like, I think I'm going to clone myself. She said, please don't do that for the love of God. Do not clone yourself. That's not, <laughs> I, I got already dealing with one. I would, I don't know. She could, anyways, let's shout out to my wife for dealing with me. But um, I think there is, so there is some value in what you're talking about in regards to searchability. And I don't think, I think 99% of the people when they start a podcast don't think about that. Right. Of like, hey, like what makes it unique? Right. How are you going to be? I have a, see, the, the blessing for me is I have a phenomenal marketing team. So what I mean by that is if I had to go do it myself and try to get reviews and do all that kind of stuff, I have a team that does that for me. So once again, I have a little bit, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky. I mean, it took me a long time to build it, but it's so that I, I'm, people are doing that so I can get number one, number two, number 12, whatever it is on marketing. And I've got some good traction in the last month. Hopefully more is going to happen. But it's not, you know, the person just starts a podcast. Like, it's not just starting a podcast. Like, there's a million, you know this, there's a million <laughs> other things that go into it. Like, it's like the, it's like the, the chef that's like, I'm going to open a restaurant and they've never ran a restaurant. It's like, okay, you're making phenomenal food, but you know, there's like a thousand other things you need to do. And they're like, whoa, I just want to make food. Right. And that's why most restaurants fail because it's, you know, it's this thing of like, you don't realize it is a lot. I mean, my podcast is, this is funny, or maybe it's kind of sad at the same time, but you guys be the judge. I did my first interview for my podcast. I think it was either August or October, and we launched in July. That's how long it took mm. us. I mean, it was, and it wasn't, you know, I had other projects and stuff, so I was busy with stuff, but it really took a long time because there was a lot of moving pieces to it. It's not, it's easier because of softwares and, you know, this, and you can look anywhere sure. and get great mics and do this. It's, it wasn't a cost thing. It was more of a just wanting to execute correctly and, and putting the podcast out. So that's, you know, just took a little bit of time. Now it's, like I said, going well and got some awesome guests and, you know, things are going good and I get to chat with people. That's what I enjoy doing. Which is cool. And you managed to get into new and noteworthy. Yeah, which I'll be curious if that actually um, translates to downloads or not. There's a lot of controversy on the actual value of new and noteworthy. Yeah, I think it is extremely valuable if your show is a show that people are looking for when they say new and noteworthy because it's put right in the front of their face. Yeah, or has some sort of just crazy name or something that just. Like a box of oddities comes to mind, which I just think is one of the coolest names I've ever seen. They had good cover art. And I think a lot of people just looking there like, oh, I got to see what that is. Yeah. I mean, that's marketing, uh, right? It's like, because nobody knows. You're, I mean, it's no, you're picking up a bottle of wine off of the label. Like people, oh, don't do that. Mm -hmm. But everybody does it. Of course, you're going to look at a podcast and look at that and go, that Shane guy looks interesting or marketing madness, man. That's something. I mean, we wanted content that converts is kind of, 
madness to me is like, what do you mean madness? Like, why don't you like, uh, you, you kind of lean in a little for me. I would like madness. Like, hold on. What do you do on that podcast? Like, I want to know. <laughs> right. So for me, content that converts is like, mm, okay, we're going to talk to some people, some specialists today. And we're going to talk about how they make money. It's like, okay. Like, that's just, I didn't like the angle as much as I, when I originally thought about it, I want people to listen to it and go, wow, that was entertaining. Or yeah, I got some good stuff out of it. Or God, we didn't even talk about marketing, but that guy's crazy. Like there's some weird stuff or cool stuff or whatever that is. I don't know. You just got to figure out your angle. I look at it like if you just produce good content, then people will come and eventually hopefully like you. Maybe. At the same time, you have a team with you. I've, I mean, that's, I'm lucky, but I mean, <laughs> let's not get it twisted. I am not. I, I worked my 18, 20 hours a day for a long time. And so now I've got a phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah I, was, I was a beast back in the day. I was, I'm lucky I'm not dead. Yeah, I was an absolute workaholic, like over the top. Which, which I'm perfectly fine with. I mean, so I'm guessing then, do you have a producer who helps guide you and, okay, that's a crappy way to interview. You need to drop this and somebody will edit it out and say, okay, he's an um machine. Let's take that problem and no, work it out. I do. I mean, I do have a producer, but they don't, um, they haven't come back to me and said, hey, you sound like garbage. Not yet. But I don't know if it's because they're not listening well enough or what, but I, I think that I conduct pretty good interviews, but the crazy part about this is so stupid to say on a podcast. I don't listen. I, I haven't historically listened to tons of podcasts. So like me putting mm. a podcast together, you would think like I would always tell clients like, listen, go do some research and look into this and see if you know, you're getting into, I just wanted to do a podcast to talk to people. So it wasn't necessarily to like be famous or try to, I mean, I've only been doing it for a month and a half or like, you know, it's only been live for a month and a half. So I'm, I'm I just enjoy talking to people and I enjoy having good conversation. I enjoy meeting people. So that was really the premise for me. Will it bring business? Maybe also for my speaking engagements, like, you know, you don't know if Shane's funny. I mean, you could like, he looks a little funny. He's got a really wet red beard and he's got like, you know, little hair that's kind of receding mm. hairline, all the fun stuff. You're like, well, maybe he has wisdom because he looks old, but you don't know if I'm fun, if I'm not going to be fun. And it's like, now they can listen to the podcast and go, you know what, that he would be fun for a little keynote. I think he would be fun to, you know, invite out to here for Turkey for a 15 minute, you know, keynote speech because he would have some fun with it. Or no, we need somebody a little more conservative so they can go listen to my podcast and go, ah, he's probably not the guy because, you know, because he has a red beard or something like that. Okay. Well, as an expert marketer, you've managed to put the show at really high numbers very, very early. I mean, I can look up a chartable and see that you're definitely at least tracking in the iTunes charts very well. What do you recommend to the sole podcaster, the one who is the producer, editor, social media, every single part of that? I'm going to pray for them. Well, um, <laughs> so this this is what I would do. So I would look at things. This is the things. I'm assuming that you're talking about a podcaster that's like like broke, fresh out of college, and is like you know, or just has a day job, and this is you know, a side thing. It's not easy to, you know, just hire a team. No, it's not. So what I would do is I would go, I mean, the way that I found my producer is I actually went on LinkedIn and now remember, remember I have an international team, right? So I went on through other countries. I went through the Philippines and through India and I looked on there and found out who, so I put in, you know, podcast producer plus Philippines plus LinkedIn. And I would go through there. I'm hoping that somebody doesn't find my producer because I should, probably shouldn't have just said that. I'm just the whole world knows my secrets now. It's okay. I'm, I feel <laughs> safe. Um, and then I would go and take a look at them and I would look at their past experience and how long they've been doing podcasting and how long they've been in producing and any shows. And I would send them a message on LinkedIn and saying, hey, I'm looking at starting a podcast. This is what it's going to be called. This is what I'm looking at doing. This is what I've done in my past. Do you think you would be a good fit? And I would interview them. 
right? Because the thing is, is that that way you know it's not going to cost you, you know, a thousand dollars an episode or whatever, five hundred dollars an episode. I know some people that pay, you know, five hundred bucks an episode to do an episode. Like I, I didn't want to pay that, so I was like, well, I can find somebody and then listen to the stuff that they've produced and have them say, what ideas do you think I should do with the podcast? Well, I've worked with this marketer and we did this, we did some video stuff and did this. Okay, what would that cost me? Oh, it'll cost you, you know, hundred fifty bucks for all of that. Okay, okay, sounds great. Now that we have that out there, and then I would have somebody on the other side and say, you know, who's good at producing or um, distribution of content? And so now we have a podcast marketer. Hey, John, you're a podcast marketer. Great. What would you recommend if I had a podcast that talked about this, this, and this? Well, I have a team of three people and what we could do for, you know, $200 a month, I could market or $500 a month. I could market all four of your podcasts because it comes out once a month and we would market on this and we can generate this kind of traffic. And that's what we've seen in the past. Like this is a thing you can, and I talked about 18 to 20 hour days. You can kill yourself trying to do everything. You can. I was, <laughs> I was almost really successful at it. Um, but what you need to do is you need to look at your 10 things for podcasting that you do, and you need to look at the eight things that you hate doing, you don't want to do, and you can pay somebody to do. Because I can't pay somebody to interview, right? Last time I checked, right. I can't pay somebody to be a keynote speaker for me. Not yet. Not until we get that whole cloning thing done. Um, mm-hmm. But up until that point, there's certain things that I have to do. I shouldn't, you know, if I want to come up with my own distribution plan, this is a beautiful thing. There's this thing called Google. It's like the internet. It's like super epic. You guys should look it up. It's like where you can go (laughs) in and people will write about, these are the 15 ways that I promote my podcast. Literally, there's probably 10 posts on that. Easily. Mm -hmm. You go and look at it. Here goes the 10 websites. You can go find somebody that's just good at data mining and putting stuff together. You can say, here goes the description. Here goes the title. Here goes the file. Here goes everything. I'm going to send it over to you. You're going to put it up there and then another team's going to promote it or whatever that is. But if you pick people that probably have experience in that podcasting industry, right? Or whatever that is, Mm -hmm. put a little bit of a team together, put it, say, hey, my budget is, you know, 100 bucks a show or whatever it is. You divvy out some money, kind of see if you can get some traction from it, and then you just start building. Because you have to figure out what is your goal for doing the podcast, right? If it's to generate money and you want to generate sponsors in your podcast in the first two months, don't do podcasts. <laughs> I'll just be honest. Oh, thank you. Yeah, right? Just thank don't you. do it. <laughs> just don't. Because you're not going if, to if, – you have to figure out what your goals are. If your goals are, hey, I just want to get my message out and I enjoy doing podcasts, awesome. Do it. Please do it. If you're saying, hey, I'm going to try to get – you know, I'm going to try to get Amazon to sponsor my podcast here in the next three months, or I want to become rich. Um, don't do it. Terrible. Don't. That's not welcome. Don't do that because you're going to be only disappointed. It, you just have to figure out what your goals are. If you're once again, if you want to say, "Hey, I want to get a, a sponsor in one year, and I want it to pay two hundred dollars a month," that's feasible. I think. I think you could do that. But you have to have obtainable goals. Nothing with this crazy like you want to do big things. And I heard that this one guy gets this and this and yeah, but they've been doing it for years. Like. I mean, I could point to somebody on YouTube that's making a million dollars a month, but that's probably not going to be you. Right. Is that too honest? Man? Back No, back to my analogies. I'm kind of treating the podcast like um, a restaurant. I read somewhere it takes an average of two years for a restaurant yeah. to start breaking even. Yeah, that's the thing. If you're not – 80% of restaurants close. That's a true stat. So if you are a restaurant and you're breaking even, life is good. But, you know, I mean, and this podcast is the same thing. It takes a while to build your audience and traction and guests. And you learn a lot through that whole process. And then, you know, you get the other side of it of like, you know, when it comes to naming it and the SEO or the ASO with, you know, when you, all this kind of crazy stuff that you can do to it, you know, it's, it's one of those things, as long as you have realistic expectations, that's like my thing with my clients. I send them questions about like influencer marketing as an example. What do you want to do with your influencer marketing? Well, my budget's 10 grand and I'd like to sell a million dollars in products. 
Well, that's awesome because I think everybody wants to do that, my friend. Well, of course, like <laughs> that was the numbers. Like, so you have to be realistic. What is your goal for set, doing the podcast? And it sounds like your goals are realistic. Somebody else's might not be. So, you know, it, it's what happens is is people get sold on whatever it is in life on the big shiny thing, right? Like, I get it that you want to make a million dollars a month, and that might be you think sure. the life for you, but you have to realize what these people have done to be able to get to that spot. Right. It's not, mm-hmm. it wasn't easy. They're working a lot of hours or doing whatever they're doing. So it's just, you just have to figure out what, what is it going to take to get there? Great. Why don't you start at making a thousand dollars a month and then 5,000 and then 10 and then 20 and you figure out if you still want to go after the million, but it's, it's going to take work. You know, everybody always wants the, you know, I'm going to do the three second ab instead of the seven second ab. Uh, the seven second ab is not going to work either. Just because I've tried, trust me, I've tried. I drink beer and then I go down, I do it and I just sip another beer and never works. <laughs> never works. Plus, you're gonna suck for a while. Oh, that's the, you would no. You, that's Sorry. the only guarantee. <laughs> that's so. This is funny. So actually, at UCLA, when I the, one of the first things I show my students is I say, "Let me show you guys my first blog post." And I go, I haven't even taken off my site, and they go and look at it. They go, "Oh my god, that's terrible." That's that, not to, they <laughs> say other words that I won't use on the podcast, but they're like, "It's absolute, it's garbage." And I said, "Exactly." But you know, the difference between me and you is I started. Right, nothing against the students, but <laughs> but it's true, right? It's the same thing. I'm sure your first podcast. I'm sure it sucked. I didn't even having listened to my first podcast, even though it took me like eight months. I'm sure somebody's gonna listen to it eventually. They're gonna go, ooh, god, people like that guy. But it is what everything. We all start somewhere, and you mm-hmm. will suck. That is the only thing I promise you. But you know what's gonna? If you don't start, um, you're never gonna get anywhere. Like you won't suck because you won't, won't give it an opportunity. So you have to suck. Like the first person that did their YouTube video that's making a million dollars a month. Guess what? Their first video sucked sucked absolutely Mm. sucked but they started right that's the difference we all you weren't born and your dad says you know what eric you're gonna be a podcaster my friend and i'm gonna your daddy's gonna show you how to be a (laughs) podcaster and i'm gonna train you for about 15 years and then you know what when you're 16 you're gonna be a kick-ass podcaster because daddy loves you said nobody that doesn't happen nobody's trained i mean podcasting wasn't even around then so my point being is that you just have to start you just got to get start putting some content out there and do what you need to do Well, you know what? That's a perfect message to wrap up on. Just start. And where can people find you so they can start looking up your material? You can find me on the World Wide Web at www.shanebarker.com. That's S-H-A-N-E. B-A-R-K-E-R.com. Um, and then you can also, I'm actually going to give you out my, my personal email, um, that I'm, I'm not going to lie to you guys. It is actually run by my assistant because I get too many emails, but it's because I do podcasts <laughs> and I give you my real email. Um, shout out to Ian, by the way, for taking care of my emails. Um, Shane, that's S-H-A-N-E at shanebarker.com. You guys can reach out to me about SEO, influencer marketing, podcasts. Whatever you need. If you have a cute cat, you can send me a picture. Like whatever you guys, whatever makes you guys feel happy, I'll respond or Ian will respond within 24 hours, guaranteed. Well, fantastic. And hey, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, but I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please consider subscribing for free. And I mean for free. It is always free. There's no billing, anything else. You can subscribe in your player of choice, which is probably right in your hands. Or you can go to unstructuredpod.com. And there are plenty of links there. Thank you so much. And in the spirit of sharing, here's a couple more shows you may want to check out. Hi, I'm Tyson Franklin, the host of It's No Secret with Dr. T, which is a small business and marketing podcast. Each week, 
I interview business leaders who openly share the secrets to the massive success. It's No Secret with Dr. T will educate, entertain, and inspire you. Check it out. You'll find it wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can go to my website, TysonFranklin.com. I did not grow up with very much money. Money's energy. Money is something that, that really scares me. You had about 60 grand in debt. Money isn't the answer. Somebody should just give me a lot of money. My dream was to be the WWE wrestler, but you realize that your dreams change over the years. Money's a tool. It's a key to a gate. And at the other side of the gate is the things that you really want to do with your life. It's the things that matter most to you. It's pursuing those values that make you ultimately happy. Listen to Inspired Money at inspiredmoney.fm.